Hi everyone, Asia here. If you'd like an easy way to keep up with everything going on at Here Home, sign up for our email list at weareherehome.com slash subscribe or click the link in the show notes to join the family. recording from the beautiful District Live Studios here in Savannah, Georgia. I'm Asia Woods, your resident professional people gatherer and the founder of Here Home, which is a lifestyle brand we focus on all things home. We've got events, we have products, content, resources, the works. On today's episode, we talk with Whitney Lamb Gilliard, who's a family friend and also the founder and CEO of Gilliard & Company, which is a nonprofit that provides transitional housing for young adults who are aging out of the foster care system. Whitney has been in foster care herself growing up, and it's a conversation that we were really excited and we knew was important for us to have. Um, I feel like since my mom and I started the podcast, we were really aware that obviously not everybody has a safe physical home or family unit to go home to or to provide that foundational support you need in your life. And moving into season two, we knew that we wanted to have nuanced conversations around what that might look like for different people. And Whitney has such an incredible story and she was very generous in telling us about Um, all the twists and turns of her own story and she gives advice on if you are somebody right now who is not necessarily not necessarily part of the foster care system but you just have a home situation that's either dangerous not supportive abusive or maybe just not as positive and uplifting as you need right now she gives a lot of really helpful advice and I encourage you to listen to this but also to maybe share this episode with any friends or family or your network who might be able to use the tips that she talks about in this episode. Whitney's links are in the show notes. If you're able to donate to her nonprofit, that'd be much appreciated. And, you know, I was just so in awe of Whitney's strength and even just how confidently she spoke about her own journey. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with Whitney. Yeah, well, it's so good to see you. You know, we're always, uh, I'm always thinking about you. Yeah. I check yeah. on you. I, I pop over to Facebook every once in a while. I'll make I'll sure you're doing all right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I like, didn't post like one day and somebody's like, are you okay? Are you, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, where is she? Yeah, I'm just I'm good. I'm good. watching TV. I don't really care for people to know what I watch. That's my intellectual that you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So we'll start all the way from the beginning, I feel like. Well, let me actually back up and say the reason why I wanted to have you on here. Because season one, my mom and I had a lot of responses from people saying like, it's so nice listening to you guys' podcast and listening to like a healthy mother-daughter dynamic person like and people saying I actually don't have a healthy mother-daughter dynamic um, but it's like inspiring or I'm learning a lot and so it just got us thinking like okay that would be a good thing to talk about more is just people who are in more untraditional circumstances and family dynamics and of course thinking about that for season two we were like we've got to talk to Whitney about this because we know you have an incredible story and we want to hear it and you're full of so much wisdom And so I feel like I want to start with just tell us a little bit about your story. Um, And then what did home mean to you then? And what does home mean to you now? Okay, well, pump the brakes a little bit on the Mm -hmm. full of wisdom thing. I don't (laughs) know. I think I I completely skipped the mark on that one because I look at myself throughout the day and then when I reflect back on my journey, I'm like, oh, that was very unwise. (laughs) But But but, you learn from all those things. But there's my my grandfather used to say this thing to me as I grew up and it was it was directed towards me because he said there is there are no wise men without fools. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) it was directed towards me. (laughs) So, yeah, um, I guess to best answer that question, I I grew up in the foster system. Mm -hmm. So 
here in in this podcast when we're talking about home like that was a foreign word to me like what is home where is home first of all like where where is my home going to be Mm -hmm. and then you know i bounced from placement to placement in foster care i left my home because of a very abusive situation you know and it was like i got it was just taken i wasn't taken overnight i actually ran away from it so a place Mm -hmm. where it's supposed to be my safe haven a location where i feel protected and reassured and grounded that was completely the opposite of what I experienced. So whereas people typically want to stay home, there was nothing more that I wanted than to leave it mm-hmm. because it wasn't home. It mm-hmm. wasn't home. I, I've learned over time growing up in the foster care system that home does not mean just a shelter. That's not what home is. Mm-hmm. Home requires so many other, you know, different anomalies that fall into it that makes you feel safe, stable, you know, and grounded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So growing up in the foster care system, most of what my home looked like was, you know, I, I, I've been incarcerated more times than I can count, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Some of it is because I was just in the wrong crowd. Others because it was actually um, a, a misplacement for me, you mm-hmm. know, something that my foster parents said, something that my foster sisters, you know, or siblings in the home did, and I just kind of fell into it, you mm-hmm. know? And then there were other times where I willingly wanted to get incarcerated just mm-hmm. so I can be in a place where I'm not, I'm no longer threatened. My mm-hmm. stability is no longer threatened. My food is no longer threatened and mm-hmm. my my sanity is no longer threatened mm-hmm. like can you imagine like being a teenager mm-hmm. before even peaking the age of 16 that you would much rather be in jail yeah no, you know yeah because you have like at least you know okay i'm gonna get this meal right i'm safe in these four walls yep. do you mind going back and give people like a timeline of kind of yeah. the places you lived and just kind of so my story is is a little interesting right so i was i was actually born out of wedlock and i was born out of a very um what unsavory position um my my mother was a minor and my dad was an adult and he was married and had children and then he had they had me Mm -hmm. and so my dad won the lottery in in virginia five thousand dollars i still have the certificate Mm -hmm. and he took that money and sent me to live in vietnam for five years so i lived in vietnam for five years it was one of the most stable solid loving like i was so loved my name was princess i didn't know what my name was i didn't know what my name was i was called princess Mm -hmm. you know um and i was cared for and provided my first stable five years Mm -hmm. and then when i turned five this man comes to Vietnam at the front door. We didn't really have a door. It was like an open, like, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. entry. And Wait, with he, family in Vietnam? Is that- no, it was okay. with friends, okay. just with friends. Okay. Like, so it could have been a really dangerous situation, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. these people could have totally sold me for a lot more money than what was given mm-hmm, to them. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, they were a very loving couple. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, this man shows up and says, I'm your dad, we're going to America. So mm-hmm. the next day I left and I went to the airport and my godfather and godmother was who took care of me. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, that the foundation of my love i think came from that moment um and Mm. how i choose to love people my my um godparents didn't know much my godfather worked as a plumber and you know those little like 25 cent things that you turn Mm -hmm. and you pop together Mm -hmm. that's that was his job like i remember waking up at night when Mm -hmm. he comes home and and we would pop all those things together Uh and i never complained as a kid Uh because we just knew like selflessness was not a thing in the family you know yeah Uh, or selfishness Selfishness. i'm sorry Mm -hmm. and so um he didn't know anything about America. America in Chinese is called Meilai, which mm. means beautiful country. Mm. That's that's literally the name of it. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't know anything. And all he said to me was, he goes, Princess, please remember, you know, blue means cold and hot means 
uh, red means hot. Mm-hmm. That was all he knew. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at this man and now thinking back, like, even though with nothing that he knew, he mm-hmm. wanted me to be safe. To be safe. Yeah. He wanted me to be safe. Yeah. So And so, so from Vietnam, where in the States did you go? DC. DC. I went straight to okay. DC. I mean, the it was so weird when I showed up. Like, yeah, the, it imagine. was snowing. It was in December, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I, I didn't know what the heck those things, the white little flurries were on the floor, <laughs> but it was cold. I came <laughs> in like with jellies on my feet, like, you know, the little sandals. Yeah, yeah. And I touched and I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. No, like, absolutely not. And my first impression of America was I kept like putting my my hand in a pointed place above my head. And I was like, what? What is this? Mm-hmm. Why are the houses like this? Because uh-huh, uh-huh. the houses in Vietnam are flat roofed with uh-huh. like metal or plastic uh-huh, covering uh-huh. it. America's houses looked really scary to me because I showed up at night. There was white things that are cold all over the floor, mm-hmm. and the shadows of the night showed the houses in pointed directions. And I'm like, what is oh, this? Man, I can't imagine. You know? so, me either. Just everything seeming so foreign and just like, you know, confusing. So, like, mm-hmm. when you were growing up in D- how long did you spend in dc i um i lived in dc all my life so okay. like from 18 all the way until i was you know 20 21 years old okay um, but i went into foster care at 14 so when okay. i came to america i ended up living with my dad's you know mm-hmm. sister and, and his side of the family mm-hmm. he wasn't in the home he wasn't mm-hmm. in the home i mean i lived in this broken down like you know apartment until I think he started to pick up that DFAX is going to come if he knows there's a kid not being fed mm-hmm. properly and not being supervised after. He would like leave like in midday for hours and I would just yeah. stay there. I'm, oh. I don't know anything about America and, and I was loved and cared for so much and I just mm-hmm. like, I was like, what? But you know, wow. but you did skills. have that, but in you, but you did have, still have that memory mm-hmm. of home. That was You're my Vietnam. home. Yes. Yeah. Vietnam. Mm-hmm. That was that was my home. Wow. Yeah. And then so being in DC, you know, I assume is like very turbulent, kind of like you're saying. At that point, what was your mental state like? Were you like, okay, I'm just gonna this is just my life, it's just always gonna be like this? Or was there a moment or that you started to feel like, okay, I'm gonna have to create a home for myself? Like, what was your mental state at that point while you're in DC? So in Asian culture, you're raised even through funerals or whatever adversities come up, they use there's this raising of common sense. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta have common sense. And so that wasn't that's instilled to you as a little kid, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, because we're left out on the streets and doing whatever we wanna do, you know, like the Mm -hmm. the laws of of Play is so different than the laws of play in America, how Mm -hmm. we supervise our kids. Mm -hmm. And so I remember looking around and the first thing that I knew was, you know, red means hot, blue means cold. That's Mm -hmm. rule number one. And Mm -hmm. then rule number two was listen to what they have to tell you. Mm -hmm. And so they would tell me, get ready. I'll get ready. I was was pretty obedient. Mm -hmm. But then as time went on and then I was introduced to abuse um, to a friend that rented the basement in the Mm -hmm. family, Mm -hmm. that was also very scary for me. Like I came from this fairy tale life, you Mm -hmm. know, to there's this freak renting mm-hmm. out the basement that I'm subjected to, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, that was very scary. But again, in my head was just do as you're told. Yeah. yeah. Do as you're told. And then I, as I reached my teenage years and I started seeing how life was for other kids mm-hmm. who are loved, who mm-hmm. are cared for, we mm-hmm. go to school together and their their family packs some lunch, you know, their, their parents show up to different things and there's no lies hidden in their life from what I assumed, you mm-hmm. know? I got angry. I got yeah. really angry and yeah. I hated my home. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah. yeah. And then, and it's like the switch, like this isn't a home. This isn't. Because you knew what that was like. And mm-hmm. this is not that. I, so. I, yeah, literally. Mm-hmm. That's a really good word. Switch. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. snapped one day. I was like, I'm done. 
I'm I done. can't even imagine that. And so, yeah, what was, like, your social life like going to high school and, like, being around kids who you felt like had these, quote, unquote, like, nice traditional families? I didn't get a chance to, like, so I, when I went to foster care uh, 14, so it was most, like, middle school, right? Mm-hmm. I was not allowed to go out on the streets and play with other kids. Um, I was not, I didn't go to, like, my first mall outing with my friends until I think I was, like, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. I was not allowed to do any of that. Mm. And looking back, I think it's because, like, there were things that they didn't want me to say and share. Yeah, probably, yeah. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I, I started realizing that when I start to see how abuse is here in America with mm-hmm. other families and children mm-hmm. now, working as a case manager, and I'm like, ah, third parties. Like, that's a, that is a, um, that's a it's trigger. A it's a threat. Mm-hmm. Got it. To families. So they were mm-hmm. like, yeah. stay home just yep. so she doesn't go out and like spread all these yes. things going on. Yes. Got yes. it. Oh my gosh, that is so much. How has all of that, and I'm sure it's in a million different ways, but I guess what comes to mind first, how has your upbringing impacted how you view the idea of home now? I have made rules in my home. So I recently went through a divorce. And Mm -hmm. when I went through that divorce, I thought home is wherever my significant other is. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, no, no, (laughs) oh no. So when I hear other people say that, I'm just Mm -hmm. like, no, don't don't go in them dark, murky waters, you know? (laughs) But um, after my divorce, I have made rules for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There will be no intruders in my home. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be in my home and mm-hmm. I welcome you into my home, it's going to look, if it looks disheveled, clean, pristine, dirty, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. You're going to love it the same way I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you're not allowed to, to just to, to put chaos in my mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. My home is a place of peace. Yeah. So now it's a location where my son and I, that's where we nest at night. Like where we're together, we're watching mm-hmm. TV, mm-hmm. we're eating mm-hmm. snacks, there's crumbs probably mm-hmm. on our bed, you know, like it's, it's allowing values that were not allowed before. Right. Yeah. And you're making sure that that is a safe space yes. for your son. Yes. And, and a safe space yes. for you. Yes. I mean, you're out doing your thing, mm-hmm. but you have that space to come back yes. to. That's like your Zen, mm-hmm. you know, kind of. I believe yeah. that Home is also permanency. Yeah. Mm. Permanency is home. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is where we permanently love each other. This mm-hmm. is where we're permanently committed to each other. Mm-hmm. We are our no matter what people, whoever enters our home is going to be the same permanency who leaves our home. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's the same value. So mm-hmm. it's now became my barrier of trust to people. Like mm-hmm. if I don't trust you enough to have you visit me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you, period. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. yeah. A- so you're only letting people into the home who you trust, you feel safe with. Yes. I can't even, what was buying your first home? Like, what What was, like, oh man, were you <laughs> sobbing? Like, um, what was going through your mind knowing that you did that for yourself, you know? So this goes back to to my series of, like, the things, adver- adult adversities that I went through. I used to get kicked out of my own home a lot in our relationship and the marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, I always got kicked out. Like, suitcase in the back, get get out of here. Get mm-hmm. out. Like, mm-hmm. you're not welcomed here. And I think that was a threat to my inner child, mm-hmm. you know, using uh, use, having that mm-hmm. used against me. I never shared about that a lot, but mm-hmm. I feel comfortable here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I, um, it was, it was hard. And so when I, wrote those divorce you know letters and created that mm-hmm. i said there i want my son mm-hmm. and i want my home mm-hmm. i don't care what else you take i want those two things because when when we purchased our first home i remember looking at the keys mm-hmm. and and like it was it was bizarre to me because I used to dread keys. You know why? Because like in in the group homes mm-hmm. and in in um where ju- in juvenile detention, it's the clanking of the keys because they're oh. coming. They're like coming. The authority yeah, figure coming. they're clanking, and I hated. It. I used mm. to count yeah. the footsteps by like their keys and what uh-huh. they will be doing and how their demeanor is by yeah, the sound yeah. of their keys. Ugh. And I used to hate that, you know. But then I held my first key and I was like, 
this is it. Mm-hmm. No one else is allowed to threaten me in my home anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like a very victorious moment. I didn't cry. I was too happy. Like I was like <laughs> jumping around and bouncing. You guys joy. have seen how I am when I'm ecstatic. I'm like six. You know, like oh my god. Yeah. So yeah. Oh my god. I can't. I just that's that's wild. Talk a little bit about like the family dynamic now. Like, how do you pick and choose? So, like, you have people that you call your parents now. Mm-hmm. Who are they, and how do they come into your life? So, my parents. Um, I got fostered in by a family when I was seventeen years old. So mm-hmm. it literally took me seventeen years to call somebody mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So those words didn't come easy either, right? Mm-hmm. But it came very naturally. So it came very soon, even though it wasn't easy. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and so my um my parents, you know, they. I, f- I forgot the question. It was just like, how do they come into your oh, life? Oh, gotcha. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I was too busy thinking about like <laughs> like my, my childhood stuff. They So they yeah. came in and like they became an invaluable part of who I am, right? Yeah. Like they became that mom and dad figure mm-hmm. that is like always here, ever present, never going. And mm-hmm. they were there like when my son was born. I would never in a million years thought that when I gave birth to my first kid mm-hmm. that my parents, I had, for one, two parents, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I, like yeah. two parents, but there. yes, yeah. and they were standing there just eager to mm-hmm. hold my son. Mm-hmm. They were just so mm-hmm. eager. And when they held him, that was their grandson. Mm-hmm. And you can just see how proud they were. Yeah, yeah. You can see, like, they were just so excited. And I That's remember good. just marveling at that. And I was like, wow, like, this is Like, insane. I can't believe it. Yes. This is my life. Like, yes. I can't believe it. No. Yeah. That's, yeah. And that's... that your son has such a different situation that you have. And, like, you've been able to create that yeah. for him. It's, you know? it's wild because, like, the second that my son was born, the first thing that my parents thought about was a savings account for him. Mm-hmm. They wanted, they planned for his future. They loved him mm-hmm. now, so they're going to love him in the future, yeah, you know? Yeah, so they yeah. planned for that. And that's that permanency. That's yeah. that permanency, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And then they, they they got everything for his, like, you know, um, what's that room? The nursery. Mm-hmm. They got everything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And they just had a lot of fun being, like, grandparents and uh, yeah. they're... This is this is their that was, and my son was their first grandkid too. Oh wow! So it was very special, you know. Currently, right so now, still extra, their only grandkid. Oh. So I'm crossing my fingers for my like foster brother to be like, all right, come on now, you know. Um, yeah. But it's it's very loving. Yeah, so that's great because you know, like you said, you called them mom and dad, and it did take a lot. I'm sure you weren't like, okay, you just go into their house, and then all of a sudden it's mom and dad. I'm sure that there was a lot mm-hmm. of stuff, right, that you guys had to work through, and a lot of stuff that they. You know, they had to kind of like prove themselves. I'm mm-hmm. sure you had, you know, so they were there no matter what. Like, okay, you could act crazy if you want to. You can do this or this, this, but we're still going to love you. We're still going right. to be mm-hmm. here. And they proved that to you. And I think that's great. I think that's, you know, people who do that. Mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. one of the like most unique angels. things, my, my social worker came in one time and she made a remark that was very hurtful. You know, mm-hmm. she basically insinuated that I'm not loved by them truly and wholeheartedly because they're not willing to adopt me. Oh my and God. so, you know, that played in my head as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, so mm-hmm. I walked up to them. I was just like, why won't you guys adopt me? Mm-hmm. And my mom said something very profound. She goes, because we want you to be free. You have been held captive for so long by mm-hmm. so many people. Mm-hmm. We want you to start choosing which family it is. And family is not by blood, nor is it by legal yep. documentation. Mm-hmm. We want you to be free. And I didn't value that up until I got divorced mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was 100 percent free i don't yeah. answer to nobody mm-hmm. my last name doesn't adhere to anything mm-hmm. i am me mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and i'm free yeah so that's, two that's kind of two things i have here so first i want to give people context to fit to like understand just and i guess just for my own curiosity 
So your first, this divorce you're talking about and the first relationship you had, was that kind of a continuation? So like you guys met when you were very young, when you were mm-hmm. in that phase of kind of a lot of instability. And at that time, did you see that relationship as like, this is my home? And so now finally kind of moving on to the next chapter, you feel like now you're free and creating your yeah, own home for yourself. Yes. Okay, I met, I met my, my ex-husband when I was in foster care, right? Got it. And I mean, like, boys in foster care are weird, you know? And then now I got like this stable man in the military that mm-hmm. I'm like, what? who do I think I am? You know, yeah. I was like, hubba hubba, you know? Like I, I, I thought he was like, I thought he was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I loved him with all of my heart. I mm-hmm. gave him every penny, literally mm-hmm. every penny that I had. Mm-hmm. And I gave him all controls, Yeah, every control of my life down to like, everything Mm -hmm. even the makeup of who i wanted to be i Mm -hmm. gave that up and Mm -hmm. i thought like okay i'm doing my 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 wife duties Mm -hmm. you know and so we we grew up we we were two kids you know he was like um uh, in his early 20s i was barely peaking 20 i was like 19 years old Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and then so he became my first you know exposure to living like an adult Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and mind you you didn't have a mother figure to look up to look up to at that point you didn't have you didn't know what that uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. No, I had no idea. I had no idea. And, and my, my foster parents were in a weird position because they're like, well, what do we say to her now? Like, this mm-hmm. is still fresh, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do we say? So they, but you know what they did that was so imperative? And I carry that same practice today with everybody that I meet. It doesn't matter what bad decisions you make. Mm-hmm. It, it truly, you're going to make them. Mm-hmm. The, the What matters is I'm going to be here. Yeah. Yes. Catch you when you yep, fall. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to be mm-hmm. here. So that's what they were. And so mm-hmm. I transitioned from that. And then I realized over time, again, exposure to mm-hmm. different friends mm-hmm. and family and mm-hmm. loving support systems. Mm-hmm. That ain't a home. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you sharing that because we don't often talk about like interpersonal romantic like relationships on this podcast, but that obviously is a huge part of, I think for a lot of people, what feels like home, right? Fe- feeling like you're home with a partner in a mm-hmm. relationship, whatever. Yeah, because I think people kind of like put, put that... Like you want it so badly in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Especially, I think if you didn't have, um, you know, that nuclear family growing up, or you had one that was dysfunctional, mm-hmm. you kind of had a fantasy, have a fantasy in your head about what it's supposed to be like, because you didn't have a picture of it, wh- mm-hmm. what it was really like, right? So right. you put that in your head, and then you you project whatever you have in your head onto that person that you have a relationship with. And you start totally. doing those things that you think a quote unquote wife is supposed right. to do or That's a quote right. unquote girlfriend is supposed That's to do. Right. Not knowing, well, this is not really. The... So when that, when the ch- uh, tide changes, right? And when that person maybe doesn't start treating you, starts treating you poorly, mm-hmm. you don't realize that, mm-hmm. no, it's something wrong with that person in that situation you know what I mean it's not me it's not it's not because I'm not trying hard enough it's not because I'm not being a a good enough wife Mm -hmm. you know exactly yeah Yeah, because you have no examples and you Mm -hmm. haven't seen it too much but that perfectly leads into my kind of next question for you is what advice would you give people who are right now experiencing a situation where whatever is home for them right now is not maybe that traditional safe home that they want it to be what can they do First is change your home address. Your home address is not where you live. Your home address is your birthday. Hmm. Put your put, put your birthday as your home address and stick that into your mind and realize hmm. that was the, that's your home. Yeah. It's not a residential place. Mm-hmm. It's you. You are your home. You are your home. So it's like a mental shift. That's right. Metaphorically. Completely. Metaphorically. Like you are your home. Mm-hmm. If, because here's the thing. I've seen a lot of homeless people yeah. in my job. Like mm-hmm. that's my job is to mm-hmm. work with people, right? Mm-hmm. They got a home. 
And they, they, I've never seen people sometimes more fulfilled, happy, sense mm-hmm. of humor yeah. than them being to them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nobody disrupting them. Yeah. There's no commitments like a rent and all this other <laughs> stuff. You know, I look at them like, geez, maybe you want to trade places really oh, quick, you God. know, just for a few days. But I, I, I want to tell people like you need to figure out what are your firm foundations that's more important than the brick and mortar slapped on your mm-hmm. on, on your address. How do they figure that out? What if they're just like, Whitney, I don't know where to begin. But all I know is I don't want to go home because either it's not safe It's not comfortable. It's whatever. Where do they even start? One of the first questions we ask our young adults when they come into our program on intake and orientation, it made a social worker laugh, but I I wrote on there, what makes you happy? Mm -hmm. I need to know what makes you happy. You know, if I find out what makes you happy, then at your worst times, at your most difficult times, in your most uncertain times, Mm -hmm. happiness doesn't change. It's consistent. What makes you happy? What brings you joy? You need to start asking yourself those questions, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's how you figure things out. Like one of the things that, you know, when I was going through my divorce or when I was going through hard times, does this make me happy? No, Mm -hmm. it doesn't. And then why? Mm -hmm. Why doesn't it make me happy? Mm -hmm. Because it's not me or it's invading my space. It's invading my privacy. And then in those, you find your intrinsic values Mm -hmm. what matters to you Mm -hmm. deep down in your core when you look in the mirror every Mm -hmm. single day what matters to you and then when they figure out what matters to them are you recommending that they like pursue that do they just spend more time in that place like i'm thinking like hard and fast logistics where do they go then you need to find your saving grace yeah you need to find it and you need to bring in humility because if you're at a place to question those things, your, your next step is to jump. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're either going to jump, mm-hmm. walk or run. You got to pick one of those. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I remember like when I was in that place, I had to drop all humility. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what I do in the community. Doesn't matter what my job is. Doesn't matter about anything. Mm-hmm. I need to first be the person who knows how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Ask for help. Like talk to your pastor. Right. Talk to your friend. Yeah. Be vulnerable. And it was so, what's so interesting after that is you start seeing dead weight fall off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other t- part about this process mm-hmm. that people don't realize. There are people that are literally holding you down mm-hmm. from having peace in your home and finding a home, yeah. whether that's through money mm-hmm. or whether that's just your mindset mm-hmm. and, and the people around you. Like, we're just inviting random people to your home and stuff. I used to look at that. I'm like, Do you, are you really even friends with them? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like this is where you sleep. Right, right. But um, I, I think you need to start finding that. And then you start realizing, oh my gosh, I probably can't get to the next place because I have a lot of promises that are open mm-hmm. but they're empty mm-hmm. and you start you need to start dropping those people mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. maybe it's kind of like this concept like home for some people maybe home is not a it's you know we say it's not a physical space some people say home is where my parents live or where you know that kind of thing but maybe home really you have to find the home within yourself you do right? because i mean people listening to this podcast they're going through everything like what mm-hmm. they what you, the, what you see on the outside is not, mm-hmm. is not what's what on the inside mm-hmm. some of them are living with their parents sometimes mm-hmm. they are in a very domestically uncomfortable or abusive situation mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they may be homeless or they may be one paycheck away from being homeless right yeah, right? yeah. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah. I, I think it needs to be an applicable universal yeah. home yeah and i like what you said about like being very vulnerable and just ask like just share sharing with somebody that you trust that you're struggling yeah because i agree that's a huge part of the burden it's just like when you feel like you have to hold it all in or you feel like you have to put up a facade and like you know everybody else you need to make sure that like Mm -hmm. they think you're living well and whatever and you're happy and enjoyable but i do think there is such freedom and just telling people like look i have to figure something out Mm -hmm. because this situation i have at home right now is not working right no and you just never know what's going to come from that one conversation and those couple conversations you have no idea who Mm -hmm. can be like well you know i've got this place or have you tried this 
I, communication yeah. is so valuable. Yeah, Actually, before important. coming to this podcast, I was dealing with something very stressful from work. Mm-hmm. Made me mad. Like, mm-hmm. it pissed me off, you know? Mm-hmm. So I called up a trusted friend and mm-hmm. I said, I need you to listen. Mm-hmm. His friend, you know, he's he works with us. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I need you to just listen. Mm-hmm. And he did. And then his he always says something. He goes, what story are you telling yourself? That's the first one. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is, is there a solution? Mm-hmm. We got to figure out, is there a, mm-hmm. you got to be practical solution based in life right. you know i think as um growing up a little bit now i'm starting to look back and go you can complain as many times as you want but you're going to keep complaining until you start until, finding solutions right, until you mm. start thinking about it different like okay i've complained enough what am i going to do about it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i want to circle back a little bit to when we were talking about the idea of like permanency like for you home is permanency I understand that. And also I, I get nervous by hearing that because I'm like, life is always changing all the yeah. time. So like, how do you manage just feeling like, okay, in your body? Like, are there like kind of like almost like anti-anxiety things that you are good at that you practice when things feel very unstable and no. permanent? No, I'm actually, um, I, I go through a lot of therapy. I like being real. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's going to be a permanent thing with me as I keep it very yeah. raw, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. but it's, um, I don't know. To me, permanency is is really like committing to yourself, mm-hmm. committing to yourself with people that you trust. Now, even though people people are not going to be permanent, yeah. they die mm-hmm. for one, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and for two, something may happen and a relationship breaks. Mm-hmm. But that trust that you that you have that's safe enough to give to other people, like that's permanency. Like mm-hmm. that's permanency and you being there for you and not quitting on you, mm-hmm. that's permanency. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it's scary because when people hear permanency, they hear, mm-hmm. you know, a relational commitment. Mm-hmm. Don't give a relational commitment to somebody if you're not committed to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. That is a horrible recipe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Recipe for disaster right there. You gotta be committed to yourself. You gotta be committed to loving yourself, mm-hmm. to funding yourself, mm-hmm. to feeding yourself. You gotta be, you gotta be committed and permanent in those things mm-hmm. before you can expect to move on to any other relationships. See, so you have those things within yourself. The permanency is within yourself. Mm-hmm. So where you, wherever you are physically, whether I'm here, I'm there, wherever, mm-hmm. those things I carry within myself. Yeah. So that thought of home, that's what I mean, where it's, in, it's within, right? Mm-hmm. So I could be in this nice house or I could be in this mm-hmm. tiny little apartment. Mm-hmm. I still have all those things within myself that's going to make that space be my home. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, if you have those foundations, you know, I think what makes relationship hard is depending on somebody. Yes. That's that's what yes. makes it really hard because, mm-hmm. like, even in a romantic relationship, it's February, right? So let's talk about that. Like, it's, uh, you know, like, <laughs> I'm depending on you to give me some of this love and yeah. focus and attention. But if you give that to yourself, mm-hmm. your expectations actually change and you have a lot more grace to give to others. Mm-hmm. And so there's no disruption of peace. Your yeah. home is within you. There's no disruption. You're not bothering me. You're not being an intruder in my home. It follows all the basic foundations, Mm -hmm. you know? How do you, so socially, how do you go about kind of like discerning what people feel safe to let into your home? How do you figure that out? That's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How do I have discernment about people feeling safe to come into my home? Yeah. yeah, Or or that that she feels safe about letting in. Correct. I got to know you for a while before you come into my home. I don't do like, I know this sounds so horrible. I don't do like barbecues in my home. I don't care for potluck in my home. No, 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 baby. We will will put money on a venue and we'll do it. I'll come to your home. But coming to my home? No, 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 no. So like for a a little while, my my team was like, where do you live? Like, is it a fancy place? 
probably know it's nowhere near fancy. It's just, <laughs> I'm just fancy, okay? Me and my values are fancy. Um, but yeah, I got to know you for a while. Yeah. I need to see your consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, if you're consistent mm-hmm. by something that doesn't benefit you, mm-hmm. then maybe we can talk about having a permanent, good, stable friendship. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way with girlfriends. Like, yeah. same. I got to know you. Mm-hmm. You got to be the same person that I can talk to for years or months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. like I always we'll be acquaintances. Exactly. That's you what know? I always say. I always say, you know, I can count my friends on one hand. Mm-hmm. I have tons of acquaintances. And even acquaintances I put in different categories. A close acquaintance. Yes. You know, yes. just a regular old acquaintance, a work acquaintance. But mm-hmm. to, to, to jump into that friend category, that takes a while. Yeah, it, it does. does. I had to that's learn that real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what have... that's what older people got a handle on mm-hmm. that generations like ours do not. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Let me tell both of you. Huh? The older you get, the more you understand that, and the easier it is to let people go. Yeah. Oh yes. You, it really yes. is. The older you get, and then maybe that's why I only have like five friends. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I can say if I talking about <laughs> wisdom, I think I've actually mastered now, like <laughs> letting people go. Like if you ain't good for me, bye. I yeah, still want what's yeah. best for you, but. You can't be what's best for me, so I'm gonna see you yeah. around the block. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's it. Yeah, I can totally, I can totally hear that. Wow. I mean, does it like amaze you that you have come this far, or like, did you always know you were like innately? I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna no, this out. <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of no's on this podcast. Um, because no, like I, I hear for the people listening, Whitney's sitting here looking gorgeous. She just came from mm-hmm. a business meeting. She has her own company, which you've heard in the intro. How did you get from there to here? I mean, how like how did you do it? What was the magic sauce? Oh man, <laughs> I I I think it's being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. I did I think I was gonna ever make it this far? No, mm-hmm. you know my expectations for me is actually very little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, just survive. That was yeah. that was in the very beginning was just survive, and then you you turn to letting go of things that don't serve you. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, truly, wholeheartedly, finding your happiness, finding your joy. Don't let nobody kill it. You protect that. Mm-hmm. You know, you protect that. Like you're, you're like you're the defensive end for you. Yeah. That's it. You know, and so I, it does shock me. I'm shocked that I'm not dead, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I do struggle internally with a lot of health issues. I mm-hmm. have four surgical rods in my back. Um, at 29, I have high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So that's always very scary. Like my doctors are constantly like, please do not mm-hmm. have a, like a stroke. Like, mm-hmm. please, you know. Yeah. So they put me on, you know, medications to be able to sleep. So that mm-hmm. way it's it helps. But I also suffer pain. It's mm-hmm. not always happy and bubbly. Like there's there's times where I'm sitting in an office meeting and, mm-hmm. and I can't do anything about it. It, but I'll feel like aches like you know that ache in your body yes. when your leg goes to sleep I mm-hmm. feel that all over my body like and it won't go away and I have to I have to be strong mm-hmm. I have to be strong mm-hmm. and and when I think about what I'm who I'm being strong for I think about my son I think about me mm-hmm. so it does make things a little bit easier yeah you know and I think some people are just you know whether I, I am a true believer that people are born with a certain something right yeah because you were that little girl who like, you know, when you got on that, that man took you and you got on the airplane, you didn't say you were kicking and screaming. You were just mm-hmm. kind of like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. And what is this place? And, you know, I don't know. I think some people have a, an inner strength mm-hmm. that you don't even realize you have, right? Mm-hmm. Until much later in your life or what, once it, you know, it kicks in. Once you, you have, have to, to go, use it. Once you yeah. have to use it. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because you could have just like given up and just succumb to whatever happened to you right but you didn't and and let me let me tell you listeners like i've known this girl for a while (laughs) and she is amazing like she is a fighter Mm -hmm. she will not let that whole thing about believing in yourself is true like she will not let anybody bring her down or keep her down and it's that's just it's great to see that yeah 
I have a saying, and I think it's beautiful because my foster dad says it to me in my worst times, and I hope all the listeners will write this down somewhere and stick it anywhere where they can see mm-hmm. it daily. One of my toughest times, and then I overcome it, I call my dad. I'm like, I, I, did, I did it. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. Mm-hmm. And then he says, what people don't calculate is the missing variable that they just always discount, and that missing variable is you. You are that missing variable that people don't account for, mm-hmm. and that's how they fail. Yeah, yeah. you know. And I was like, oh, yeah. Thanks. That is wise. People write that down. I'm gonna write it down too. The missing variable <laughs> is you. Like they're missing yeah. you in their equation. You know. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is so helpful. I know you have a hard stop because you're a busy woman. But is there anything else you'd like to like leave the listeners with, or any part of your story that you feel like also has a valuable lesson that you haven't shared too often? I think for anybody who's listening, like I'm, I'm not here to say like, oh my God, there's some esoteric, you know, belief you got to put in yourself and you, and after this, you follow these rules and it's going to be great. Life is messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't go into life wearing white, go into it wearing camouflage, like go <laughs> so be prepared. You know what I mean? Up. Like the military's got it right. Like they go in there and camouflage because they're about to get dirty, nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. You got to roll up your sleeve, honey, and you got to take it for, mm-hmm. for what it is because mm-hmm. it's not going to stop punching back. Like I yeah. think that's the, that's the one comical thing when my son does jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Just when he gets got somebody down, and uh-huh. he's really good at it, this kid comes flying out, and like you know, they're attacking him. And I remember telling my son, like, "Baby, they're gonna keep coming at you. Mm-hmm. Your job is to stay heavy." Like I scream at him all the time when he's on the mat. And I'm like, <laughs> "Stay heavy, stay heavy!" And then once in a while, I choke him out. Like comes out to you, and I'm like, "Just choke him out." But you gotta stay heavy on it. Like you gotta be firm mm-hmm. in what you do. Like yeah. if you're gonna be wrong, be mm-hmm. dead wrong. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that's yeah. how I go to the extremes. Like if you're wrong about it, admit mm-hmm. that you're wrong about yeah. it. Say yeah. I was dead Still wrong. Yeah. 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 If you write about it, then tell people like this is what I learned because mm-hmm. I was so right. You mm-hmm. know, life mm-hmm. doesn't even though it's messy, it doesn't have to be so complicated. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. Like just remember to laugh. Remember to make a joke. Mm-hmm. Laugh at yourself. You mm-hmm. know, I do that every day. Like. There's a lot of content and materials to laugh about with me, so it's easy. <laughs> like, you know, and just always remember to love yourself. Yeah. It's so clear what you said, Mom. You're right. Like, Whitney just has, like, an, an innate <laughs> inner strength. Yeah. And, you know, you. if you're if you listening to this and you're like, okay, but, like, I don't feel as confident or as strong as Whitney does, find a friend like Whitney. Like, everyone's I'll be your got friend. that one. And Whitney, <laughs> yes, hit her up on Instagram. She'll be there. Um, But, yeah, like, find a friend like Whitney who just has that inner, like, you know, oomph that you feel like you need because I feel like also your energy is like infectious, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you just feel like you need to some extra, you know, a boost to get that strength, you've got to find a friend and, like and it, for And it sure. won't all come, you know, you got to build it up, right? Yeah. So just the first little thing, take the first little step. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're going to feel great because you took that st- first step, but don't stop. Mm-hmm. Don't stop. It's so like she funny. said, just go on, you know. Mm-hmm. When my girlfriends in. are sad, they call me and I'm like, Oh, you done did it now, <laughs> you know? And there'll be mourning, whether it's from a loss or from mm-hmm. a breakup or whatever. I always tell them, like, you got X amount of days. Mm-hmm. And I will cry with you. We'll do that stitch thing where mm-hmm. we're pounding on the ground and crying. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and we're going to completely mope over it. But, mm-hmm. but after that, it's time to rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to wake up and rise. Wash your face and get up mm-hmm. and rise. That's it. Yeah, this is this is like kind of like a controversial question to end on. But it's just what I'm personally thinking. So maybe other people are thinking this, too. But, like, do you ever feel, like, just what you said, you're like, you got to get it together and f- figure it out. Do you ever sometimes feel like, you know, like, people who grew up in, I guess, a quote-unquote traditional family who, like, have had all the cards laid out for them, are you sometimes just like, what are you complaining about? You've got so much to work with. 
Like, do you mm. ever personally feel like that? I don't. Okay. I don't. And the reason why I don't is because you don't know what demons they hide. Yeah. You don't know. They may have grown up with a great foundation, mm-hmm. but there's mold that grows just yeah. like in a yeah. home. There's mold. There's there's icky stickies. Mm-hmm. There's bugs that creep and crawls. That's the same thing that happens with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah so you can't just take the outside. What you see the outside looking in, you can't mm-hmm. take that and just make assumptions. Right? Yeah. Because so. everyone's got their own demons yeah. to deal with. Yeah, yeah. That's totally true. And some sometimes because, you know, I'm that person who says, get up and wash your face off and let's keep going. Sometimes people get mad at me. Mm-hmm. People going through things. When I tell them that they get mad at me. Because, Why do they get mad at you? Because that's not what they want to hear at the time, <laughs> yeah. right? But they want, I like, think, softness. But I'm like you. I think, okay, you've cried a lot about it long enough. It's time to get up now. It's time mm-hmm. to get up, you know? And so I'm that person, that kind of hard driver, like, okay, you know, like the mom, like, get up now. Yeah, you're the tough love. The tough love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a tough love person. But then they, and then they'll get mad at me. But later on, they'll always come back and say, you know. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I needed to hear that, even though I didn't want to, you know, so. We truly leave the same way we come, right? Like, as as a mom, like, Eamon was a very easy kid. I mean, my son was easy, you know, uh-huh. so I'm always like, thank you, Jesus, uh-huh. you know, but, like, when he used to fall all the time on his little pampers, like, you just, ain't nothing wrong with you. You got cushion up under there, you know, <laughs> like, but he'll yeah. bump and fall, and he looks at me for my reaction, and me being a young mom, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, uh-huh. and then so he'll start wailing, yeah. and he'll cry and then I'll pick him up and he's still crying and I soothe him and then afterwards I'll pick him up and I'll look at him like see all better you know mm-hmm. that's kind of what you have to do to people yeah you're gonna cry all right and it's time to get up because it's all better yeah it's all better yeah. it's gonna be all better you wow. know thank you so much for coming on here is there anything so obviously we're gonna include your company information oh, in the show you. notes is there anything upcoming how can people support the work you're doing it would be great to have um, financial support at this time if you can make a 25 dollar donation just make a u-turn from starbucks and come visit our website <laughs> like you know um, because our the inflation has impacted our organization cost yeah. of homes because we provide housing too so mm-hmm. it has gone up and i would like to continue to provide permanency for a young adult so if you got a little give a little mm-hmm. um you can always come to our office to volunteer i'd love to meet the people listening that would be amazing come in and say that i heard you on this podcast mm-hmm. i would take a picture and tag you guys you know so like <laughs> that'll be really good and then just um most importantly what helps us out, out a lot and what helps me out a lot is go out there and be a good person yeah mm-hmm. be one less person that we need to be worried about mm-hmm. that's yeah, it absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely you do great work. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always here to support you. And I hope everything continues on. It will continue yeah. on. I don't have to hope. I know it will. <laughs> exactly. So, Look, you know. she's on the up and up always. Oh, yeah, always. <laughs> we know that. You know, sky's the limit. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This meant a lot. So thank you. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Hear Home, the podcast. If you love this episode just as much as we have, please give us a five-star review on whatever streaming platform you're listening to right now. It really helps us continue to reach the audiences who are craving these conversations. We'll see you over on Instagram at We Are Here Home in the meantime. And that's all for now. Bye.